It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived yet another week. It is Friday, September 2nd, 2022. And these are the top true crime stories from around the world. Brought to you by me, James Renner. That's the seal of approval. Uh, Take no exceptions, alternatives, whatever. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. If you're listening on a podcast on Apple, you know, the the Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, what have you. I'm also on YouTube now. Check us out. We've got some nice visuals. As the kids say, punch that subscribe button. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get to the top stories. I want to tell you about, uh, you know, we, as I mentioned last week, we're climbing the charts in Russia. Uh, so this top story is from Russia, but it, it could affect the entire world. Uh, stay with me here. 67-year-old Ravil Maganov fell to his death from a hospital window last week, according to The Guardian. Uh, Ravel was the founder of Luke Oil, or Luck Oil, uh, and that's an oil company that was founded in Russia in November 1991. Now, if you're a student of history, or just really old like me, uh, that November 1991 is significant if you're talking about Russia, because that's when the Soviet Union was kind of busting up and communism was and socialism was giving way to capitalism so you had all these opportunists like one Ravel Maganov who stepped in and wanted to make some money and he he had this oil business so now the luck oil official press release says that he passed away from well after following uh, a, a long illness Passed away after a long illness, but uh, that's not all the story. In fact, he um, fell to his death from a hospital window. The Russian news site, uh, like a state-sponsored news site, said that maybe he slipped when he was on the balcony and he was smoking. Now, hospitals are, are kind of strategically designed to keep you alive if you're a patient there. So... That's kind of hard to believe, too. Um, So what's the motive here? Well, Luck Oil and Ravel were kind of outspoken uh, against the war in Ukraine. Uh, 
and that will put a target on your back in in Russia today. So um, it's 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 a developing mystery out there. In fact, Reville called for a ceasefire to the Ukraine war a couple of weeks after it started. So uh, could it be murder? I'm I'm putting a question mark there, but yes, absolutely. Asterisks, of course, uh, yes. Um, you know, Ravel is one of six energy officials who've died under mysterious circumstances since the war in Ukraine began. Uh, I have some bad news out of Ohio. I'm here in Akron, Ohio, as we call it, AK Rowdy. And uh, it is the epicenter of culture in the United States, as you know. Um, but uh, we got some bad news out of our state again this week. Uh, 20-year-old Donovan Lewis was shot to death by a Columbus police officer. This happened at 2.28 a.m. this Tuesday. Police were serving a felony warrant against Donovan Lewis uh, for uh, firearms, uh, um, you know, related... Uh, mishandling of firearms, also assault and domestic violence. Yeah, that sounds really, really bad. But, um, and, and there's a great article in the Daily Beast that I have in our liner notes, by the way. Anyways, the, the police shot and killed this black man. He was unarmed. They went into his apartment at 2.28 a.m. Um, and uh, you know what? I'm going to show you the video here. So the video is pretty damning. You know, you take into account the fact that they're serving this warrant. They know he has a firearm, but still, but still, he's in his bed. He's unarmed. The officer's shooting as soon as the door is opening. This guy, by the way, they're treating him like he's already guilty. He did not have his day in court. As far as we know, all of these allegations are untrue. Um, and, and by the way, why in the middle of the night? Why was this warrant? Why did it have to be served at 2.28 a.m.? Why not 2.28 p.m. on a Sunday? Um, this is Officer Ricky Anderson, by the way. He's the one that fired that shot into the bedroom. After they shot him, by the way, and we didn't get to that part of the clip, but after they shot him, they then cuffed the body. And the police were saying, stop resisting, stop resisting. Of course, they knew they were on camera by then, and they were building, already building a narrative. This guy wasn't resisting. He was dying. Um, so this, this comes at a very inopportune time, especially in Ohio, because back in June, right here in Akron, Ohio, Police shot and killed a 25-year-old unarmed black man as he was running away from police after a short chase on the highway out here, literally like two miles down the road. And then earlier this week, a pastor in Alabama was watering plants outside his friend's house when a white neighbor noticed him and called the cops because she was suspicious. The cops came and arrested this black pastor for watering plants. Um, it is insane to me <laughs> that after everything that's happened, after George Floyd, after this thing in Akron, that police are still shooting without 
without provocation. And just not, not because I'm not, you know, it's not that what confuses me is they're not thinking more about themselves. Right now, if I was a white, especially if I was a white police officer, I would be overly cautious in any situation, especially you got body cams. It's, it blows my mind that stuff like this is still happening. Final story this week, a little off the beaten path. Um, a Catholic nun was kidnapped by rebels in Yalgo, Africa, many months ago. Now, Yalgo is, if you picture Africa, it's in Western Africa, up by the Sahara on the Western side, middle of nowhere. Uh, this Catholic nun surfaced. She was found alive earlier this week, according to the Clarion Herald. Now, this is Sister Sue Ellen Tennyson. She's a Marianite nun from New Orleans. She was on a mission to office, offer support at a clinic in Yalgo. Now, Marianite, I, I know that doesn't, you know, that's a term I didn't know. Maybe you don't know this either. It's a subsect of Catholicism. You know, you've got Catholicism, and then you've got all these little denominations under it. Marianites came from France, and then you've got New Orleans. If you know anything about the Louisiana Purchase, they're still, you know, they're very heavy French influence. They established a church there that opened an orphanage. Long story short, she's kind of, you know, into that French Catholicism stuff. Um, one night earlier this year in Yalgo, while she was at the convent, uh, uh, several men broke in with guns. They kidnapped her. They took only her. They left all the other nuns and witnesses behind. Uh, they do this out in Western Australia. I'm sorry, West Africa. They do this in West Africa for the bribe, uh, the bribe money, the ransom money. Um, these are rebels that are trying to build armies to, you know, fight against the government, and they're trying to raise money any way they can. For more information on that, read Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver, if you're into, into literature. Those are your top stories. I've got some crazy genetic genealogy news after the break. You're going to want to check this out. Stay Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Stay tuned. And we're back with Baywatch Nights, starring Yasmeen Bleeth. Hey, um, cold case updates. There's something crazy going on with the Delphi murders. Here, here we go. Uh, police, this is the Indiana State Police. They've been spotted coming the Wabash River in Peru, Indiana this week and what seems to be a search directly related to the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German of Delphi, a.k.a. Abby and Libby. Uh, this is a big case for true crime if you haven't been following. Um, the Indiana State Police were spotted in the Wabash River. They were using metal detectors and scuba gear searching for something. Now, word is they're looking for the murder weapon itself. Now, Wabash River is not necessarily so near the Monon High Bridge where Abby and Libby were murdered. So why are they looking there? Well, it happens to be near the home of one Keegan Klein, who police allege was communicating with Libby German the night before her murder. This is coming to us from Fox 59. Now, Keegan Klein is alleged to have catfished these girls with a fake account, and many other girls, by the way. He was using the, the, like this Instagram account of this male model, this very handsome young male, and he was flirting with these teenage girls, um, these young girls, and trying to coax them into what he needed from them. Klein is currently facing child porn charges. He has not been charged with the murders. Also, his father, he alleges, also had access to that account. If, you're, if you want to keep up on the latest details of the Delphi murders, you should be following the Murder Sheet podcast. Anywhere you get your podcasts, they are updating regularly, and they are the ones that are actually breaking all of this news. So check out Murder Sheet Podcast. Speaking of podcasts, there is a, uh, a <laughs> decades-old murder in Australia that was solved this week and adjudicated due to a podcast down under. An Australian man was convicted in this uh, 40-year-old case, in this 40-year-old murder. This is one of those rare no-body homicide cases. These are the most difficult cases to bring to trial and to get a guilty verdict on. This is where you assume that a murder has taken place, but you don't have the body. You have no evidence. You just have a missing person, and you assume that they were murdered. This is one of those cases. Now, 
a very small percentage of those cases ever, ever go to trial. We're talking like a dozen a year. And of those, once now, so that's the litmus test. You have thousands of these cases, right? Only like a dozen go to trial every year. But once you get to trial, there's like an 80%, 80% conviction rate. So it's all about getting it to trial. Anyways, this involves one Kristen Dawson. He's a 74-year-old man now. His wife was last seen in January 1982, 40 years ago. So he would have been 34 at the time. This is according to the Associated Press. He said he was, uh, all these years, he said his, his wife is still alive, that she ran out on him and the kids, started a new life, and the judge wasn't having it. He, he had a choice. He, he, he could have had a jury trial, but he chose to have trial by judge. Sometimes you do that. The reason he did this is because there was a podcast about his case called The Teacher's Pet that was extremely popular. And he figured that if anybody had listened to that, if they were on the jury, he would be found guilty. So he went with judge. Judge still found him guilty. Uh, prosecutors believed he killed his wife and disposed of her remains at some place that they haven't been able to find yet. Um, what was the motivation? Well, at the time of his wife's murder in January 1982, he was teaching high school and he was involved in a sexual relationship with a former student. After his wife died a couple years later, he married the student. They, they separated in 1990. To give you an idea of how popular this podcast was, it's been listened to uh, over 60 million people have listened to this podcast. The population of Australia is 25.7 million people. A little perspective there. Very popular. So, um, you know, he's, he's in prison. Now, these nobody homicides going to be a lot less uh, popular, even more rare, if one of these days this, you know, whoever we assume is dead comes walking, walking out of their life and up to a newspaper. So, but this guy seems pretty damn guilty, doesn't he? Yeah. Genetic genealogy news. Oh my God, this is just going to get more and more dramatic as weeks go by. This is an unregulated field. It's the Wild West, but uh, here we are. This is a sad story out of Safford, Arizona. Safford, Arizona is just outside of Tucson, not far from Phoenix, if you know the area. The body of a teenage girl was found there in a bag in a livestock watering box outside of Safford, Arizona. This happened in October 2020, 2020 during the lockdown. A fisherman found the body. And inside the bag, they found her remains. This uh, young woman was decomposed. They were unable to identify her based on fingerprints. And nobody was reported missing in the immediate area. Now, the sheriff's office was contacted by Innovative Forensic Investigations. They did their uh, genetic genealogy, found the family tree, and they, they realized that this deceased woman had to be related to a woman named Amber Langley who lived nearby Safford. So the FBI did some digging. They realized that Amber had a 14-year-old daughter named Candence Langley. Candence Langley. 
Langley was uh, on the autism spectrum. But weird thing was, Amber was still collecting government assistance in 2020, uh, 2022. This is two years after Candence uh, was, as we've now learned, murdered. And uh, we're talking about $4,700 is what she got through government assistance because Candence was on the spectrum. Now, when the FBI contacted her, she said, oh, yeah, Candence is, uh, she's here, she's living. But when they, they looked further, she could not produce any evidence that this girl was actually alive. And of course, this body is Candence. Um, so far, her mother's, her mother Amber, she's only charged with fraud, but murder charges are coming. So with genetic genealogy, it's interesting. Um, you know, I've got the Porchlight Project, a nonprofit here in Ohio. Um, if you're interested, Porchlight Project, uh, I'm sorry, porchlightonline.org. Um, we've solved a couple cases already. We're, we're here for Ohio cold cases in genetic genealogy. So I'm kind of up to date on how all that stuff works. And what's interesting is genetic genealogy works really well if you're of Eastern European descent, meaning if you're white. Uh, now, unfortunately, CODIS is another database and they use different markers for genetic genealogy. And um, because in the United States, the prison system is predominantly African, the, the inmates are predominantly African-American Felons are predominantly African-American, not because they commit more crimes, but because our justice system is designed to treat them differently. Uh, CODIS is very good for African-Americans. Genetic genealogy is not. And in that whole mix, the smallest represented group is Native Americans. And yet... Genetic genealogy is so good, this week a Native American case was solved. Let me go back a little bit. Fishermen found the body of a young woman in a shallow grave near Lake Thunderbird, Oklahoma, in 2008. And the mystery began. Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation recently partnered with Parabon Nanolabs. That is CeCe Moore's outfit, by the way. They found a family tree based on uh, this DNA data, and that led them to conclude that the Jane Doe that they were working to identify was most likely a 25-year-old woman named Angela Mason. And in fact, they are correct. The police announced this solve earlier this week. Angela Mason was a member of the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma. She had four children. It is now considered an active homicide investigation. How cool is that? Genetic genealogy is working out so well. We're, we're representing Native Americans now. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of time before we have that whole and complete family tree and we understand how each of us are connected. I think that will make us a little nicer to, to everybody else, to each other. You know, this is the part of the program where I talk about some weird news, but this week I, I want to talk about a missing persons case out of Long Island that I think we can solve if we spend a little time on it. And I'm calling for 
the listeners of True Crime this week, the viewers, if you're if you're tuning in, let's see if we can solve this. I know one of us is smart enough to figure this out. I found this on on Reddit, on the subreddit Unresolved Mysteries, and this was a post by user Cheems Gyaru. Uh, I don't know what that means, um, but here's the write-up. Follow me if you will. On May 20th, 1998, a school custodian picking up trash behind Brentwood Freshman Center in Brentwood, New York, discovered a body in an overgrown area along a chain link fence. The body was decomposed and had been dead for six months. Now, Brentwood, New York is on Long Island. It's on the western side of Long Island near the southern part, near the ocean, uh, where all the sharks have been seen lately. Um, not far from Amityville, where the, the horror took place. Anyways, Brentwood, New York. Keep that in your mind. In June last year, testing discovered the body was a white or Hispanic male in his late teens. Namus said he was probably 15 to 17 years old. He was around 5 foot 8. They couldn't determine a cause of death. This person was dressed in a t-shirt that read Chicago. A green and black jacket, white boxer shorts, and black hiking boots. He also wore a belt with a Boy Scout buckle, a white plastic rosary, and one yellow metal earring. Namus says he also had a luminescent green key ring inscribed with the words Hands of Gold Jewelry, Copiag, New York. And a blanket was tied around his neck in a crude knot. He wore size 8 shoes and a 34-inch waist. We've got all sorts of clues here. This is a young man, a teenager, who must have gone missing in Long Island, on Long Island in 1998, possibly of Hispanic descent. He's got ties to Brentwood, New York, to Copiag, New York, which is right next to Amityville on that same part of Long Island, um, and possible connections to the Catholic Church and Boy Scouts. Help me out here. We can figure this out. Um, I have not been able to find a missing persons case that matches up with this from 1998 or 1997 or possibly earlier than that. If you figure it out, if you think you've got it, email me. Um, and very easy to find, James W. Renner, R-E-N-N-E-R, at gmail.com. Take a look at pop culture. There's a couple new documentaries out, uh, some new things to watch. you got to check out this Children of the Underground documentary on Hulu. This tells the story of the legacy of one Faye Yeager. Is that name familiar to you? Well, if you were born before, like, 1995, you might remember her. Um, there's a, I'm going to link to an article at the end of this podcast by Bill Torpy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Very good piece. You should check it out. Uh, it's about this documentary and the story behind it. This begins in the 1970s when Faye Yeager, was a, she accused her ex-husband of molesting their daughter. Trying to get custody, went to court. Now, the judge not only didn't believe her, but gave custody to her ex-husband. And, you know, maybe the story ends there, but not for this, not for this guy. Her ex-husband ends up on the FBI's top 10 wanted list for molesting children. So she was probably right. Uh, he's since been 
uh, convicted of similar offenses. So anyways, what she does, this is like the classic, you know, bad guy, good guy, you know, Batman scenario. This is how you create a really, a really odd situation, a really odd woman, uh, uh, Faye Yeager. She uh, organizes this group that helps women, especially women who have children who are abused or molested, um, start a new life. She gives them new identities, new places to live, and she claims to have done this for 2,000 women and their families from the 1980s up until 2000s. It's a fascinating case. Uh, now, it gets a little wonky because Faye Yeager, eventually she starts saying that some of these kids were probably molested by satanic cults. And if you're alive for the 80s and 90s, we went through this phase in the late 80s, early 90s, where everybody thought that there were these satanic groups out there that were molesting kids and pulling them in. And it was just one of those like mass hysteria things that it didn't really exist. You know, this, we had the sphere of Dungeons and Dragons and these other things, and it was a whole deal. Uh, but so the fact that she's tuned into these satanic cult allegations does not help her credibility, but she helped these women and children disappear. So it's a fascinating documentary. Check it out, Children of the Underground on Hulu. Now, remember inventing Anna, as in Anna Delvey? I'm Anna Delvey. You know, uh, from Netflix from a couple months ago. I love, I love the show. It was produced by Shonda Rhimes of um, uh, Grey's Anatomy. Anyways, remember that, remember that friend of hers, Rachel? Well, that was the friend that she got taken for tens of thousands of dollars. She put it on a card or a credit card or something. Anna totally screwed her over. But she was able to, like, get all the money back because she was kind of from a well-to-do family or whatever, and she complained, and the, the, the credit card just forgave her. At least that's what we're getting from the documentary. Um, <clears throat> so that person, her real name's Rachel Deloche Williams, she, she, this week she sued uh, Netflix for defamation and invasion of privacy. Now, immediately, Anna saw this, and of course she went to social media, and she, she said, quote, will gladly make myself available to testify about the accuracy. Let me do this in the voice. I will gladly make myself available to, the te to testify about the accuracy of your depiction of Rachel. Um, so she's, she's already on social media saying, no, 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 Netflix got this right. She's, you know, that, that's how Rachel is. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know the truth. I mean, maybe, maybe that was not Rachel at all that we got Netflix, but I have to say, isn't this a totally Rachel thing for her to do? I, I, I think it is. Let's check the charts. The, we're going to check out what are the top true crime podcasts in America. Let's check out Chartable.com, which keeps track of those things. It's your normal top 10, but here's the weird thing. Morbid's back. Remember last week, Morbid wasn't even on the charts, and they'd been climbing up out of nowhere. They got number two. They were threatening to overtake Crime Junkie, and then they just disappeared. Well, they're back on true crime podcasts. They're number two. 
I want to talk to you, though, about a couple new podcasts I noticed a little further down. Number 12. These are podcasts I want to check out this week. Number 12, The Sunshine Place. Here's the write-up. Once called The Miracle on the Beach, Sananan began in the 1960s as an experimental rehab facility in Santa Monica, California. They had a radical claim. They could cure heroin addiction. Before long, it would make an even bolder, bolder claim. They could cure any of your problems. All you had to do was move in. What started in a house on the beach soon spread to compounds across the country. The man who made the miracle happen, Charles E. Dietrich, a.k.a. Chuck, would be the one to destroy it all, along with the lives of many of his followers and millions of dollars in assets. Who doesn't love a good cult story? And what's, what's a better location than, for a cult story than Southern California? This has it all. Check it out. The Sunshine Place. And then just beyond it, number 13 is a new podcast called Rotten Mango. Kind of like that. Uh, here's what it's about. Rotten, but still a little sweet. Just like me. Rotten Mango is a true crime podcast with all sorts of uh, spooky stuff. We love doing deep dives into the darkest crimes, and we tend to not leave out any details, which can get a little rotten at times. If you want, to, if you want deep dives into the psychology of killers, no holding back storytelling of crimes, and stories of a lesser-known criminal from around the world, this is the place for you. Uh, yeah, I don't know why Rotten Mango is doing so well. They must be doing something the others are not. Maybe they're just consistent, but give them a try. Hopefully, they will soon make enough money for a copy editor. you got to fix that right up, guys. Um, and that's the show for this week. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, James Renner, and it is Friday, September 2nd, and that's reason to celebrate because we have, uh, we have survived another week. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, the godfather of Cleveland Radio, that means we got to, 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 get down, damn it.